Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, what's shaking, Red Nation? It's your boy, Jeremy Brenner, here with another episode of The Dream Take, presented by The Dream Shake, home of all things, Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. It's been a while that uh, that I've been able to come and be on a podcast, do a solo pod. Had a lot going on these last couple of weeks, but it's real fun to come back on the mic talking Rockets basketball with you guys. And today's going to start doing some deep diving into these prospects. And I figured, you know, we're obviously going to do more of these over the next month or so as the Rockets have the third pick and the 17th pick. But today we're going to be focusing more on Paolo Banquero simply because he's the likeliest pick that the Rockets will make at number three. He seems to be the consensus pick among rock among mock drafts and all of that. So obviously I can't do this alone. I can't talk about Paolo alone. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't be as good as it would be if I had this guest today. 
He's one of our friends of the show, and we're super excited to have him up here. We've got Mr. Mavs Draft over here. And Rich, it's been a while, man, but I always want to talk draft with you. So, so, so happy you were able to come onto the show. How have you been? And are you excited for this draft? How how excited are you about the draft right now? Let's go one at a time. Hey, it's good to be back. Uh, you know, not as excited as I was last year, but the Magic getting the number one pick, obviously being a Magic person and the Maps having a pick this year, which they won't next year. They didn't last year. It's nice. I'm excited for it. But for the class overall, you know, it's a little bit underwhelming in terms of superstar power, especially when it's sandwiched next to the the last draft, which had Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, you name it, all these stars. And then next year, the best prospect in the world is in next year's class. Barely missed this one by four days of eligibility. I'm excited, but it's almost it's weird because I'm almost looking past it in a way, not focusing on it enough because I'm like, oh, well, next year there's this, next year there's that. So excited for it, though. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen that kind of before with with draft classes where, you know, one year it's really good and then there's kind of a, a dud year and then but then the next year. And I guess that's just kind of how it happens. You know, there's no real uh, you know, there's no real science or rhyme or reason for it. It's just kind of the way it goes. But I mean, given that this is a weaker class, per se, let's just call it a weaker class, because I think that's kind of something that you would agree with. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah, I think it's a weaker class. Okay, so we'll use the word weaker. We'll use the word weaker. Given that it's a weaker class, the fact that the Rockets have a top pick, number three overall, that's got to be a good thing considering they'll get a pretty good player still given the, the weakness of the class. Yeah, and it's just weak in terms of star power. Like last year you looked at the franchise changers. I just don't know if there's a true franchise changer in this draft. I think you get a lot of top pieces but not the guy in this class is what I mean by that. It's it's ultimately, it's the weakest class since 2016, better than 2016, but each of the last five drafts have also been very, very good. So it's tough to compare. Yeah. So obviously, you know, today we're going to, we're going to talk more about Paulo because he has been the consensus pick uh, for the Rockets. It seems like, you know, it's interesting because at first, before the lottery, it seemed like it was, Paolo, Chet, Jabari in any order. And it seemed like nobody was going to pierce into that. No Jaden Ivey at three surprises. No, nothing like that. But then ever since the, the lottery ended with the Magic number one and the Thunder number two with the Rockets number three, I personally as a Rockets fan was a little bit relieved because it seems like now we don't have this uh, you know, decision to make. The decision will kind of be made for the Rockets. But were you surprised to kind of see Paolo kind of wedge himself in to that third spot? You know, not really. I had him as my number one for most of the year. I think it's so interchangeable. I don't think there's a true one, two, or three. Even Jaden Ivey's still in that mix for two, three, four. So it, it's a it's an absolute mess of a top you know, top four. And a lot of times they separate themselves. I think last year we kind of started to see it where we were like, okay, Kane for sure is the guy. After that, we were pretty sure Mobley was going second, but this year is just no indication one way or another. Yeah. And, and look, you're, you're a magic guy. You, you know, the magic. I mean, I am in a way a magic guy myself, but you, 
uh, you're a, you're a draft expert as well. So I'll, I'll get your opinion. Who are the Magic taking number one? All the signs so far say Jabari, but I don't think they've even brought any of the three in. So like, yeah, they haven't. They haven't. It's it's interesting. So, I, so like, how do you? Yeah. Obviously, obviously, the choice will be kind of made for the Rockets. I really don't see them taking uh, Jaden Ivey just because I don't think that he fits the current uh, the current roster. I'd say, um, and not to say that like Paolo or Chet or Jabari are perfect fits either, but I, I think the last couple of weeks have kind of resigned myself to the idea of. Paolo being the Rockets pick at number three, and I've kind of gotten excited about it. So if if it is Chet Jabari one, two, interchangeable, and the Rockets are at three, assuming they take Paolo, what are they getting? Who are the Rockets getting in Paolo Banquero if they draft the number three? Yeah, you're getting a potential first option. Uh, not that the Rockets don't have that right now, but you look at a front court first option. I think that's a very valuable skill to have in today's NBA. You have a guy who can create his own shot at 6'10", can pass, uh, in theory, can defend when he wants to. But ultimately, a guy who can create his own shot at all three levels is very valuable at 6'10", and that's a potential star mold. Yeah, I think um, I think the one thing about Paolo that kind of makes him stand out, he is a Duke player. I, don't, I can't remember the last time the Rockets drafted a Duke player. Like, I feel like in my lifetime... They, they haven't, unless I'm, like, totally forgetting something. Granted, the Rockets don't have uh, – haven't had a lot of picks in the last couple of years. They've usually traded them or whatnot. But I feel like it's been a while since the top Duke player has landed in the Rockets' hands. And I do think that Paolo could be that, that idea that you just mentioned, the first option in the front court, someone that can score at all three levels. I'd love to be able to see him grow into that. Um, but I, I think a big concern for a lot of Rockets fans that I've seen is that they have, like, if they get Paolo, where does that put Alper and Shengun? Because Shengun was also kind of seen as this guy that could be the, the first option in the front court. There's a lot of Nikola Jokic vibes and comparisons around him, but... Would uh, bringing in Paolo Boncaro change that for the Rockets, you think? I don't think so. I think it slides them up to the five a little bit more often. Whereas, you know, the talk had been if they get Chet, Shingun is probably the four, Chet is the five. But ultimately, I don't think it actually changes the time. You look at teams like the Magic, who rolled out Vucevic as the lone big for years, and they held their own. Shingun's obviously, he may not be as good of a defender as Vucevic is, and Vucevic isn't that good. But ultimately, I don't think it actually makes a big impact on on uh, Shingun. Yeah, because I, I mean, this year, like that's obviously like if Shingun can find a way to be uh, to add to his defense, I really do think he is the five of the future. Uh, it's you know, it's interesting to call it that because the Rockets are kind of in a weird spot because we don't know what next year brings. And next year, if you do get the number one pick, you do have to change your team around uh, Victor Wimbanyama. He's the kind of guy that you do, you know, make changes to your current roster for it. But Paolo Boncaro, not necessarily a bad player, but 
I think he's a guy, and you can kind of just you know back me up on this or or refute it, Rich. But it seems like he is not the guy that you want to totally change everything about your team about. Yeah, I think there's upside for that to be actually false, but I think uh, I think right now you're looking at him as a really high end second option. I like Jalen Green is more of that guy to me. I think you change you change what you're doing for Jalen Green. I don't know if Paolo is the same yeah. way. There, there's some risks with Paolo where it's like, I, I don't know. And also, like, he's a little bit versatile. So you don't have to – he actually fits into almost anything too. The way that I see it is I think that – to kind of compare it to another team, Jalen is your Giannis, right? He is your guy that you run your offense around, and he is the guy that you, you build your team around. You have Kevin Porter Jr., who is important on the team, and he ends up being more of a Drew Holiday. I think with Jalen Green emerging into this really top-scoring option where he wasn't really that at the beginning of the season, but he certainly has blossomed into it uh, towards the end, I think he projects to be more of like a Drew Holiday type. I I mean, that's not to say he can't be a scorer on on offense and whatnot, but I think that if he – like – in order for those two to kind of complement each other a little bit better, Kevin Porter Jr. is going to have to take more of a leadership role on defense. And then Paolo is your Chris Middleton. He's a guy, he can get his own bucket, and he doesn't, like, he can utilize the players around him, um, but he also can get you a bucket in isolation. And I think having that is important because if you if you throw Jalen, if you throw the team's best defender on Jalen Green and he just locks him up, then you don't have that secondary scoring option. But if you have pop, like, like that's how, that's how the Bucks won the championship last year. Right. I mean, Chris, like when Giannis was not capable of doing it, Chris Middleton was able to get you that bucket in clutch time. I feel like that is the vision I have for Paolo. If he gets to Houston. Yeah. If you look at like, I mean, speaking from somebody who watched on Dallas this year, yeah, for the last four years and obviously longer, but like, with They say, like, hey, we don't want the ball out of Luka's hands. Like, he's our best player. He should be the one touching the ball at the time. Like, sure, sure. But also, like, don't you want people to make his job easier And that if you – all right, you beat Luka, then you have to beat you, – you want layers, right? So that's what it would do for Houston's offense is you have layers to it. You have Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, you have Paolo, Shen Goon down low. There's just a lot of ways to beat you offensively. You need a, you need a Jalen Brown to the Jason Tatum. You need a Chris Middleton to the Giannis. And and I think that's what's good about this draft is that the Rockets can get a high-profile guy to be that role with the high pick. Um, I mean, obviously, if you would tell me, you know, would you would you want another superstar around him? Yeah, you do. But at the same – but those teams don't exactly work always. And especially when you get to a point where – you do need kind of some – I'm trying to use the right word. You need some hierarchy 
on your team. You need a guy, you say, okay, you're going to get 25 to 30 points for us. You're going to get 15 to 20 points for us. You're going to get 10 to 12 points for us. And, and I think that that's important on a team. You can't just have a bunch of chiefs and not a whole lot of Indians. Like you do need a sense of hierarchy. And I feel like with Paolo Banquero, while the upside is there for him to be a number one option, I think he projects to be more of a high-end two or even a high-end three. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a third option on a really good championship team. But also that's part of me is thinking that because of knowing what's to come in these drafts, and given like all of the young talent that's kind of infusing themselves into the league, I feel like once the Warriors are kind of at the end of their run, which who knows when that will be, first of all. I mean, it, they could be, they could go on another, you know, three chips in four years if they really wanted to, I feel. But once they're done, like LeBron will be done and all that, I feel like we're going to get to a point where the league is just ultra competitive and you could see a handful of teams win it any given year because that's kind of where the league, like you have like Luca and the Mavs made it to the conference finals this year. You have uh, Atlanta with Trey young, like Memphis with John Morant. They'll probably make a conference finals pretty soon. Like I feel like that's where the league is going. So I feel like that kind of limits someone like Paolo to only being like a number two option at best. Yeah. And I see both sides. Like you said, the parody right now is, and the league is at an absolute uh, near peak that it's ever been at. But also at the same time, you, I liked what you touched on with, you know, you have, you have like, he could be a great second or third option. Right. And it's kind of the thing you look at the rest of the teams who are listing off some of the duos that are succeeding in the playoffs. Almost all of them have somebody above like multiple players above six, six that are creating their own shots. And that's why, for example, to keep tying it back to Dallas, I apologize. I know it's a Rockets podcast, but with Dallas, I I want Dallas to get somebody who can create their own shot that is taller than 6'6". Because they have Jalen Brunson, they have Spencer Dinwiddie. But like when guards are the creators, you generally know what they're doing, right? Like their entire goal is to manipulate the defense. One way or another, that's what they're doing, which it is very good. But when you have somebody at like 6'8", that can create their own shot, 6'7", and create their own shot, create their own looks at all three levels like Paolo can. It just does wonders for the offense. And, you know, yeah, he may have shortcomings on the defensive end, as does half the half of every young team. Like the Rockets, sure, they have a ton of defensive issues, but I think I would almost be willing to overlook that stuff and, and be willing to say, hey, like, if the firepower this team has, this core has, is enough to get us to a potentially a semifinals, conference finals, something like that, within the next, like, six, five, six years at the latest. Let's talk about Paolo's defense a little bit because I feel like that is deemed as like his bigness, you know, weakness in the draft. But I also, I don't know if I, I don't know if you saw this tweet the other day. It was some like, um, it was some like analytics, uh, some like category, analytical category that listed Paolo as like one of the better defenders in the draft. So what do you think about, about his defense just, you know, from watching him play and, and how he's testing out and such. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that bad. It's something that people had pointed out, and they're like, like, how do you think he? How can you possibly think that he's, you know, going to be a good defender? And for me, it's just the tools. My my worries for him, though, like, yes, the tools are very nice. He can move laterally. I don't think it's actually an issue. Some people, for whatever reason, think it is. 
I don't. It's an engagement issue for him. He, he can move well. I think he generally has a good basketball IQ, understands what the next play is and things like that. So that does benefit him. The issue is, is you watch him in pick and rolls. And I don't know if it's an IQ thing, just an effort thing, what it is. But, for example, there was a game at Boston College. And, and I want to preface this. It's not a big deal because they were up 19 points with, like, seven minutes left. But there's a play. <laughs> he gets put in a pick and roll. And I, I want to see if I saved the video. And, and actually, I did. I'm just going to narrate it as I'm watching it. So he gets put in the pick and roll. Trevor Keels comes up, plays a little bit high. Powell is in no man's land. So what does he do? He just sits there, does absolutely nothing on the guard that is driving, lets him drive by. The guard thinks he's going to close out on him. So he passes to the big man. Powell still hasn't moved from his spot and just watches this guy make a mid-range jump shot. And it's like, what, what are you doing? Like, I get it. Like, yeah, you're up 19, but – Nobody else on the court is not trying. You're the only one not trying, and that was always the case. He was the least effort defender, and to me, that kind of stuff does scare me a little bit. And do you think that he might have done that because he knew he was going to be like a top five pick, and you know he's just kind of going through the motions as it's his only year at Duke before he can actually go and make real money? I mean, there's a very real possibility. I say that I give the benefit of the doubt for high schoolers when they do that because they're superstars and they don't need to play defense in high school because they're that much better. Mm-hmm. Could have been something like that. But my issue is, is like, I don't think Powell had a hard job. I think he actually had the easiest job on the team defensively. Him and Trevor Keels. And you look at their defensive effort, it was polar opposite. Trevor Keels didn't take a play off. And he was one of the better defenders, I think, for the team. And Powell, all he had to do, all he had to do was hold the drive enough to not get beat or just shut down the perimeter. Because Mark Williams could camp the paint because there's no defensive three in the key. And Mark Williams would gobble anything up. Paolo couldn't do that. So that's, that to me worries me. It's like you couldn't even do this simple job on the defensive end. Like what, what gives? I think with the Rockets, that is almost very much along the lines of who they already have. And that, that's, I think, the biggest concern among Rockets fans with it, when it comes to Paolo is that he, is, he checks off boxes that we already have. Like he doesn't change the team in, like on on defense, he does on offense. You know, he getting a guy like him in a spot that was probably going to be occupied by Jayshon Tate, like that does change a lot. Although I'm not quite sure exactly what the lineup would look like if if Boncaro came in, you would assume that he would start at the four um, with either Shangun or Christian Wood at the five. Um, it, it, obviously, it, it depends on what Christian Wood does. Um, it, it, I'd be shocked if Paolo wasn't starting or wh- whoever the number three pick is. I'd be shocked if they wouldn't start. Although, like, Eric Gordon might be on the team again next year, and he might take a starting spot. So that would mean Jay Sean Tate goes to the bench. And if Jay Sean Tate goes to the bench, then you're really trugging out a not very good defensive lineup. Like, Jay Sean Tate's in the starting five – to be that to guard the team's best player. And I don't know if you can necessarily hand off those keys to Kevin Porter or to even Paolo Boncaro yet, I, especially not Paolo. If you would have to take Jay Sean Tate out of the lineup, you're probably putting Kevin Porter in on as the defender for the team's best player. But yeah, I just, when it comes to him, that that's like my biggest concern is that he doesn't move the needle defensively. I do think that, the defensive needle will be moved with the second pick in the first round 
They have the number 17 pick. And we'll we'll talk we'll touch that briefly at the end of the show. But um, you know, what's like the worst case scenario for Paolo Bancaro? Yeah, I actually don't think defense is his biggest concern. Honestly, for me, it's just I worry about his uh, fundamentals really being there and how much that impacts him in ways. Because you look at his passing, for example, that's where you see a lot of it. Just tons of ways he passes. And it looks like it's not, it's avoidable stuff with not only effort, but it's like, dude, if you just made, like, you don't make a post entry pass from the middle of the, uh, from the top of the key, right? Unless it's like a very specific instance where the defender is sealed off, something like that, you can lob it over and there's no help side defenders to cut in. Paolo loved it. Paolo loved doing half court post entry passes, things like that. And it's like, dude, go up to the wings. Like, that's where you make those post entry passes. And I, I feel like I rarely saw that from him. And, and for me, that kind of stuff just worries me. Yes, he does have some advanced reads, but what if, like, how often is he going to go missing in these areas? Because that's two areas now that we hear him kind of go missing. You look at the passing and the defense. Those are two big feel for the game questions. I know I said, I think he has good basketball IQ, but how much can he actually apply it? That stuff does worry me. So I, I would say the the passing, yes, like in, People will say, like, oh, you know, post-entry isn't, like, a major thing in the NBA. So post-up's dead and all that. Yes, but also it's not necessarily about that. It's about the the macro picture of what are his passing fundamentals and where's his weaknesses and strengths as a passer. Well, yeah, and in that regard, I'd probably say Houston is probably one of the better fits for him simply because they are trying to keep the ball. Like, he probably would be the third or fourth person to get the ball in, in any, like in any five man rotation. If you start him with Kevin Porter and Jalen green, he's the third person that's going to have the ball in his hands. And if you start Shangun alongside Boncaro, Shangun's probably more likely to have the ball in his hands. He's going to be playing a lot of off ball in Houston. And I, and I wonder how he would be in that role. I'm, you know, and I'm trying to think of like other, guys that that play that role more in the NBA and you know it's it's tough because I don't think of guys that are just automatically the number three pick but uh, you know you did mention about how this draft is just not as high let me ask you this put Paolo Boncaro in last year's draft where does he go uh you know I'd probably say five I think safely five I think the top four so after Scott, uh, I mean, maybe six because Jalen Suggs, like, yeah, he sucks this year, but his stock was pretty dang high. He might, he might go six. It's not mm-hmm. even really not on him. It's just that that top five was ridiculous. And yeah, so and if Chet and Jabari were there, that's another good question. Where would Chet and Jabari go? There's a good chance, same answer. Um, it, it almost has nothing to after do with those five. Class. I think it's just praise for last year. I think one of them could sneak into the top four. But odds are, I mean, I, I would if I am, I bet I would say it's Chet that would be the guy because his upside is ridiculous. So I, I would say he's probably the one. Mm-hmm. But it's just a, it's more of a testament to how good last year's draft was. Yeah, I feel like with Boncaro, you're gonna get like, like I guess maybe John Collins is a good, good uh, guy to compare. Although John Collins does crash the boards, I feel a little bit more than Macara does. Um, but is there is there like an NBA guy you can really compare him to? There's not really one I have in mind. Um, 
that's been the hardest thing for me is drawing up a 610 yeah. shot creator. Like, who does that? Because it's all superstars, right? Like, the guys that like do... Chandler Parsons, maybe? That's, that's like the closest one. That's not a superstar. I mean, and to honestly think that's probably a middle ground for him, it's still a really good outcome. Like, Chandler, Chandler Parsons in his prime before he got overpaid by, for the second time, by, uh, by Memphis. Memphis. Was a very good player in Dallas. He just injuries that yeah. did him in, not, not skill. It's just bizarre because, like, I don't think the Rockets are really in a position to trade down. Um, they're like, I, I do think that the top three or the top four are in their own tier, but I really don't feel like if we're saying Chandler Parsons is like his middle ground, like Chandler Parsons is a second round pick. Like, are we really use like are we really using this pick to the best of our abilities? And this is the last year the Rockets plan on being in the top of the lottery. Um, or next year, sorry, next year is, um, but like, if you get like, if you get Wimbanyama, like that changes everything. Whoever gets Wimbanyama is like, I think this is, is this safe to say that the Wimbanyama sweepstakes is going to be like Zion-esque? Easily. Might be more because I think, oh, well, uh, no, it's, yeah, it's going to be the same because Scoot Henderson and Nick Smith, I think are the two guys to really give a run for their money. Right now, but Wembenyama is, you know, we, we use these stuff in, in 2018, even now, with these hyper productive big men uh, or hyper, I guess, like unique big men, like Mo Bamba was hyped as, if you remember, uh, Rudy Gobert with a jump shot. Mm-hmm. And that was wasted. <laughs> that was absolutely wasted. We yeah. have a French shot creator that defends at the rim, can shoot. He, he's a much closer version to it. I don't think Rudy Gobert with a jump shot even exists, but he is a 7 4 shot creator. He's way too unique to pass up on. I feel like that would. I feel like that would totally change things for Boncaro. Yeah, if they were paired together. Like, I feel like Boncaro would have to come off the bench. <laughs> I don't know about that. I would say. Shen, I, I would say, if, if like they do get both Shengunis the next out, he's the first out. I mean, I think Boncaro stays in, or you can even slide him down and really keep all three in theory. I guess. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But, um, you know, I want to offer – I haven't gotten any speaker requests from the listeners, but I do want to offer one one chance here before we before we go. If anyone wants to come up and speak and ask Rich or I some questions – Rich or myself some questions about Boncaro, um, anything like that would be super appreciated. But, Rich, I guess to kind of wrap things up, um, so the way we feel about Paolo – Yes, it's an underwhelming draft, but given what they could get in this draft, he's a pretty he's about as good as they could come at number three. Yeah, I mean, you could look if you wanted to. I don't, I, this almost sounds like I don't, I don't know how to word it, but like you'd almost have to galaxy brand it if you're trying to really find somebody better, more realistically. Like, yes, you could take Jay and Ivy. I don't think he's the galaxy brain guy, but like, you okay? Hey, maybe Shaden Sharp is that dude, right? I think it'd be a horribly risky move. And as a Mavs fan, I love it. But as like a, an objective NBA fan who wants everybody to do well, huh, I hate it. Like that'd be the only reason I wouldn't want it. But I think Pablo is probably the absolute best choice. There's probably going to be somebody better just because this is how draft works. The draft works. The top three is never actually the top three players uh-huh. in hindsight. But I don't see Maybe they could the get that best player at 17. Yeah, that's the thing. If you want, you, I mean, that's, I think, an area where you just swing for the fences purely. 
And there's a chance that, that player could become better than Paolo, but at the top three, I don't think there's a better option. Top five, real. Who do you swing? Who do you swing for the fences for at number seven? Skip? Um, you know, I, I love Tari East, and I know Rockets fans love him too. I have some concerns yeah, about do. basketball IQ and feel for the game and everything, but um, I just don't see how he falls that far. And that's yeah. In theory, I don't either. If look, if there's one guy, I think he's a lottery pick. If there's one guy who falls, I think this guy goes lottery. But I mean, man, if he's there, what is it, seventeen? Right. Yeah, there's a decent chance. I, I don't think it's a high chance, but if this guy is there, Malachi Branham, I think he gives you a more real point guard. I know guards aren't exactly what you want right now. Uh, I get it. I'm an Orlando fan, but like, mm-hmm. I, I think that kid could be really special if he puts it all together. Well said. Well, maybe maybe sometime. This was a lot of fun, Rich. Maybe next time we come on, we can talk more about Malachi Branham. We can talk a little bit more about other guys that could get at 17. Um, happy almost draft month. Uh, and super, super thankful for you, Rich, to come by and uh, talk some draft with us. Feel free to take the opportunity, tell the listeners where they can find you and anything that you're you're currently working up. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. I uh, Everything goes through my Twitter, at Mavs Draft. Um, as the draft approaches, trying to get all the scouting reports out for all my top 100 players. Got about 26 days to do so. So that is about two and a half per day. So we'll see if I actually do that, but um, ultimately that is happening. And then the NBA big board show locked on NBA big board. We're on it every day. We've got a ton of talent on that. It's only unique content coming up. So uh, you won't want to miss it. All right. One of the best in the biz, Mr. Mavs draft. Thank you so much, Rich for coming on and we'll definitely be in touch. I think this is a good place to park the rocket ship for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the dream take be sure to follow us on twitter at the dream take and at dream shake sbn head over to our facebook page give us a like over there and head to our website thedreamshake.com home of all things houston rockets at espionation.com we'll be back sometime later this week for another episode talking more about these top prospects some of those prospects at 17 as we gear up for the draft on june 23rd should be a super super fun month so be sure to uh listen to our past episodes that we've talked about various rockets happenings and of course uh coming into these next couple weeks where we are in full draft mode as as we like to call it here at the dream take if you'd like to do so you can follow me on twitter at jeremy verner that's j-e-r-e-m-y-b-r-e-n-e-r thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the dream take and until next time go rockets